Hello and welcome to episode 93 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast. It is that time of year. It's our Halloween spooktacular time. Dear listeners, I'm of course joined by my Scream Queen duo of Miriam's Yes Yay and Stephanie Walter. We'll get into that in a moment, but before we get to talking all about the spookiest FAQs, you've ever heard of, I'd like to say a huge thank you to this podcast sponsor. Of course, it is Systrix. You can go to systrix.com slash SWC, get some fantastic trials of their tools, and you can also go to systrix.com slash trends and sign up for Trendwatch, which is a fantastic newsletter all about trends that are happening around the world. Let's talk about a couple of examples uh, particularly relevant to me. I just came back from my honeymoon uh, a couple of weeks ago, and first time I'd left the country in a very, very long time, of course, post-pandemic and all that kind of stuff. A couple of trends here are very relevant. Airport outfit ideas is a big trend, apparently, that spiked in September of last year and again in September of this year as well. TikTok, of course, having an influence on it because TikTok always influences these kind of things. Airport fashion is a thing. Apparently I saw people wearing particular kinds of Crocs with the little decorations in them. I know people get specific like comfy outfits or fancy outfits to travel in. I know I try to travel as comfortable as possible without going crazy. I still wear jeans. I don't quite wear the like tracksuit or jogging bottoms or whatever. But yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. (laughs) Airport outfit ideas is apparently a big thing over the last year or so. Also travel related is cabin bags. And this was a whole conversation my wife and I were having before we went on our honeymoon a couple of weeks ago, was talking about the size and allowances and weight, like luggage weight restrictions and all that kind of stuff. Cabin bags is has had a big spike as well, pretty much from the sort of like middle of 2022 and again happening throughout the middle of 2023 and carrying on until September as well. A lot of people are looking for that specific 55 by 40 by 20 cabin bag. And uh, even putting those measurements in, like the 55 by 40 by 20, gives you over 2,500 search volumes. So people are being specific with what they're looking for. And I totally get it. <laughs> and I know a lot of people are trying to travel a lot uh, lightly. My friend went to Japan a few uh, weeks ago and went with just hand luggage. So a cabin bag, essentially. So instead of doing the checked-in luggage, you're doing the carry-on luggage. This is what they're looking for with cabin bags to get as much as you can from that space and from that weight allowance and still trying to travel as light as possible. The last one I think is hilarious because it's related to one of my favourite creators on the internet at the moment, a guy called Tom McGovern, who asked everyone, how come you never see baby pigeons? Why do you never see a baby pigeon? There's a song on TikTok uh, and and YouTube all about it, done by the fantastic Tom McGovern, one of my favourite creators, like I said, one of my favourite musicians uh, on the internet at the moment.
and it has seen a massive spike thanks to this kind of trend happening and people asking this question. You never see baby pigeons, what's going on? And then coming around to Tom doing a fantastic music video and make, creating a song for it. I think it's made it even more viral than it was from the meme originally. So like I said, go to systrix.com slash trends, sign up for Trendwatch the newsletter. I've just scratched the surface. That's just three out of the 10 you can get delivered to your door every single month if you sign up for Trendwatch. All Hallows' Eve is time for things truly ghastly, and that means we get a special episode of this podcastly. Jack Chambers Ward is your demonic host. He may be quite pale, but he's no ghost. And while you try to scare the ghouls away, don't worry, my friends, here's Miriam's Yes Yay. It's the same group as last year, there's no need to alter. She's back once again, here's Stephanie Walter. Two Scream Queens to complete our terrifying trio to make the best podcast about SEO. This special episode of Search with Kanda, the 2023 Halloween Spooktacular. We are back once again, folks. I am joined once again by Miriam. Hello, Miriam. Ah! You said Scream Queen, right? <laughs> you have to do the Scream Queen thing, right? That's the rule. <laughs> and Stephanie, welcome back again. Wait, let me do the screen. Ah! <laughs> I don't want to destroy people's ears. <laughs> <laughs> I think the listeners probably appreciate we didn't go like full scream on that and it would just like break people's headphones and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are back it's we are not talking about screen. yeah it's an intro screen exactly. we'll, we'll build up to the big ones later on right we'll we'll end on breaking people's headphones and stuff that that's the plan for this podcast <laughs> but we're not talking about bright seo stuff like we did last year we've got something a little bit different this time miriam's idea was to talk about some of the most horrific the most terrifying the most nightmarish faqs we've ever seen in our time in SEO and UX, respectively. We're going to give you also some best practices and stuff, give you some good examples, some bad examples, and discuss FAQs as a wider topic as well. So what, what was your thought behind bringing the topic to the show, Miriam? What was the, what was the plan? What was the inspiration? So um, something that people may not know is that um, Stephanie is not within the SEO field, and something that we both have in common is the fact that we complain a lot. We're very good at complaining. It's a French <laughs> thing. We are very French. And as such, since we both love Halloween as well, we decided let's find a good excuse to complain about things that haunt us. So here we are, because whenever you're a human that is ready and willing to find things on the internet, such as all three, when you end up on an FAQ and you're like, this does not answer my questions. This this raises more questions. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know how to use this. Why is this happening? 
And this is what brought me here. So I really, really wanted to talk about the fact that um, there's a lot of things changing in the way we do SEO and the way we think about content marketing. And FAQs are really important, but nobody cares about them from a human standpoint. So we are here to tell you how to make sure your content actually works for humans. And, and we're not just doing ghouls this the and ghosts way. and zombies and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we don't want to be haunted. We <laughs> want to be the ones that clearly tell you we will haunt you if you do this. There we go. That's that's it. Yeah, we are the the ghouly, ghastly people that will haunt you if you fuck up your FAQs. That's how this works. <laughs> so I had a first question, and this one has been kind of coming in and out since voice search came around, which is before we get into the nightmares, do you think an FAQ should be written? Do you think an FAQ should be a chatbot? Do you think people could or should ask for, you know, vocal answers from assistants? Like, how do we think about FAQs? I think, yeah, it depends on what type of website. Because in my experience, the FAQs I have to deal with in the wild is like basically, I want to contact support, but I can't because I am this in this rabbit hole where like, hey, what do you need help with? You know, like they're trying to bring me to the FAQ. I'm like, I know how to Google. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if I would have found the answer to my question, I would have done that. And then you, they're like, oh, but have you tried our chatbot? So I was like, oh, fuck it. So. Let's talk to the chatbot. And the chatbot is like, here is our FAQ entries. Have you tried reading them? It's like, yeah, I tried. Those do not answer my question. Usually, because what I'm looking for doesn't, it's not that it doesn't exist. I think it's just that I, I'm, when I have an issue with something on um, a screen, I'm using the same words that is in the screen. And often they didn't update their FAQ. So when I'm, last time I was looking for basically like pending payment on PayPal, I had an issue with that. Like, and I found everything I needed if I was a buyer who has a pending stuff. I was like, no, I'm the seller. And the guy is complaining he didn't get the, the link because I was like, so the only information is like, that stuff is pending. I was like, as a seller, what do I do with this information? And then yeah, you have like tons of FAQ and PayPal on of everything except what do you do with that as a payer? So yeah. This leads me into something that I have to say. When we were thinking about this episode, Stephanie, you sent an amazing screenshot. So I will try to make sure everyone gets to experience it. So you search <laughs> for shitty FAQ examples. And Google decided to provide some people also ask questions. And <laughs> one of them, oh, yes, it's coming. Are FAQ pages bad? Because that's what most people will ask. Are pie charts bad? Are FAQs bad? Everything, you know, can be good or bad. Let's keep it simple. So Google chose to emphasize the following statement. FAQs are a good indicator that there may be an issue with your content then be fighting words what's your opinion jack <laughs> that is a hot take from that feature snippet from that uh paa answer it is mad to think that 
like that is the specific thing. Is I as you say, Miriam, like you're literally in the PA. It is bolded as the single like straightforward answer. If you guys are familiar with certain features out there, you you know that's how a lot of PAA answers are displayed. And I think a lot of people describe FAQs as like where content goes to die, and just like oh, I don't know where else to put it, so I'll just uh, just chuck it on the FAQ page and just worry about it. And there's a big discussion to be had about whether take an e-commerce website for example should an faq be on a product page about that product or should you have a standalone faq page that is all Mm. of the things and the examples you were just talking about there stephanie like as a seller you have different questions compared to being a buyer right if you're using a a marketplace or a platform that allows you to do both one page with absolutely everything on it is probably not going to be the best answer and actually being able to i think present a lot of the content in a way that allows people to get their answers quickly. You know, we talk about feature snippets, we talk about PAA. Here at Canda, we literally built a tool all about people also ask data called also ask that gets all that data for you and finds the answers and all that kind of stuff. I think they're still valuable. And I think a lot of people are using it in a lot of ways. Obviously, we've seen the depreciation of visibility in the words of Google for FAQ schema and how to schema and stuff like that. Because I think a lot of people have been manipulating it and being dodgy with it but i think there is still a lot of value even from a like a customer and a ux perspective let alone from a seo perspective i want to share my first nightmare (laughs) i want to tell you how the quebec government decided to haunt stoners (laughs) are you ready for this okay and this is a real case that lasted for years for the record. And it was so hilarious that I asked for permission. I used to use, well, I asked the university I was teaching at for permission. I didn't talk to the government about this. This was too delicious. So I used it for quite a bit as an example that my students had to work on. Because as you said, Jack, there were some FAQs in product pages. But now, Now, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. So for folks who don't know, I spent quite a long time living in Canada. And marijuana is legal in Canada. Not only is it legal, but the government handles it. So you have to go to a government-regulated store to buy it. Or you could go online. Except that the province I was in decided that this was not fun. We have to sell it. We are forced to sell it. We are going to be petty about it. And all the other provinces have all the fun things and like cool wrappers and like cool things that come in. Quebec is as drab as possible with the weed sales. And they were imposing on people via, well, what I hoped was a JavaScript error, but could have been sheer pettiness, that the FAQ was not only visible for every single product, but it was expanded. So Mm -hmm. if you are stoned looking at the next thing you want to buy, you're scrolling for your life, wondering why this keeps going on and why this information is there. And you get to the end and it tells you collapse. So see less. So it was a state of not see more if you're interested. But now that you read all of this, we're hoping you're going to give up and you can see less if you want. So imagine how bad this FAQ had to be that it was imposed on everyone at every turn, every product. This is why I want to talk about this type of stuff. FAQs are supposed to help people, especially if they may have some unusual accessibility needs while shopping on your site. 
I love the idea that they were just like, well, we've answered all your questions now, see less. Like, you have nothing else you could possibly want. We have solved all of your problems. There you go, stoners. Yes, yes. <laughs> it And it actually confused quite a few people in my class that were going, it, it can't be, it has to be a JavaScript error. I'm like, but what if it was by design? What is worse? A government having a long-lasting JavaScript error that is key across most of their pages on that site, or sheer pettiness? Which one do you think it is? And people couldn't decide. No, JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't, what's the, the saying? Like, don't blame uh, nastiness when it's actually people being not competent, something like that? Mm. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think, or... I would say maybe it was an accessibility thing, like everything was closed by default and someone went, yeah, but I cannot access the content and because they messed up. So they went like, oh, let's open it, everything by default. Then we don't have the accessibility problem anymore, something like that. No kind of a quick fix. I could totally see that on a project like, oh, we have a problem. But if we expand it by default, we solve the accessibility problems. Like, yeah, but then it's not an FAQ, you know, yeah, let's do that anyway, you know. So oh, yeah, oh, oh. I would definitely go for, they're not good at development. They had no idea what to do here. Wait, 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 because I have, a, I wanted to ask a question, but now I have to go to my second example that I love. So if you're going to the United States, you have to fill out a visa type of thing. It's called an ESTA application. And usually if you're not prepared, you have to do it on really shoddy Wi-Fi at the airport in a panic. And to face this problem, we have, one of the official government websites with the FAQ giving the option of collapsing all of the question or questions or expanding all of the, all of the questions. As in, they think they're pretty reasonable putting a handful of questions up there. And if your case is an outlier or an unusual thing, you can expand everything at once, have it shoved in your face and hopefully do a mental control F to find the information. Is I see your face, Stephanie. I see you I have an opinion. It's worse than that. It's like basically you expand everything and then you have like most popular question and you have a list of like one, two, three, well, let's say 10 stuff. But actually when you click on the stuff, it doesn't show under the question. There's an area at the bottom of your screen. So you, you have to imagine like I'm in a kitchen, I'm hitting the switch. I was like, oh, it's switching the light in the toilets at the other side of the apartment this is basically what is happening on this website like you click at something if your screen is very small or on mobile and you don't see anything that changed before it changes at the bottom of the page like that's not even an FAQ problem that's very bad usability <laughs> nah. and this is the problem because for me FAQs are a pre-sale space they are a self-help space they are basically a lot of things used by a lot of people at different stages in their journey and we're failing them because the FAQ is pretty much like a hamburger menu or the carousel on a homepage. Jack, thoughts? This is a particular one. By the way, listeners, I will put links for everything we're talking about in the show notes so you can have a play around and click around and stuff because this this Esther application thing is is like layers upon layers of weird onion level of, of FAQ stuff. So <laughs> when you expand all each subsection bear in mind there is already a section called popular questions within frequently asked questions and if that's not the same thing then i don't know what it is then once you're in there you then have a bunch of questions within that category and then you click on that and it opens it as you said steph at the bottom of that section 
which auto scrolls you down to the bottom of that section. So if you want to scroll back up again to get back to the question, it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't take you to the bottom oh. of the page, it takes you to the bottom of that section. So it actually almost lines you up with the next section first. Oh my god, it's unusable. Stop complaining, they have solved the problem. <laughs> they have solved the problem. So if you scroll all the way up beyond the questions, okay? You help? will see us. Yes, there is a search bar that is also very dubious. So that's my next question. If you're at the point where your FAQ has a section called most popular questions in the frequently asked questions, and then underneath more questions that are still very important, and you have a search bar, maybe something's broken somewhere, right? I just typed the word apply into this search bar. And it gave me like 50 results from this bunch of FAQs that, I, like I said, are layered upon the other FAQs. But now it presents it in just one long list with no context, no order, no structure, no nothing. So it's the opposite. Well, they have too much bloody structure the first time around. Well, as soon as you search, the structure goes out the window and it's like, here's all of the possible answers with that word in, even though it's not relevant to your thing. This is yeah. a bad example. My, my other issue is there's no uh, anchoring at the end of the URL, so you cannot actually send this to someone. If you're like, oh, I found the information, it's in the middle of the page, the only URL you get is slash FAQ. So I was kind of hoping for some internal anchors, like none of them. <laughs> so you cannot even share that, because I was wondering if they use that page, like if you are within the essay, you know, maybe you have some help little button and it sends you to this page. But actually, you can't because there's no internal anchor. So I wonder who's visiting this page. Someone desperate who might not have their answer for sure. In an airport on shoddy Wi-Fi, I already stated that this was my experience. Because you <laughs> didn't know you had to, you needed to do that. Uh... I I didn't know mine had expired. So. Ah crap! Hey. Yeah. So this but, leads me on to my first example, which is another immigration one, because, you know, that's a thing you don't need clear, definitive answers about. It's not a really, really important thing that can really mess you up if you get it wrong. It is the South Australian Immigration. So once again, we're talking about governmental websites, but they get all the access to their FAQs, right, Google? They're the definitive answer. They're, they're the only ones that are allowed FAQs these days. Thanks, Google. But Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I have to ask now. <laughs> How does that make sense, what you just said? Is it helpful? <laughs> is it helpful content? Exactly. Is it helpful content is the question we should all be asking. Uh, and this example from South Australia uses both questions and statements interchangeably. Some of them make sense in that context. Some of them do not make sense. And some of them are like, oh, I can't see anything on this list that answers my question. So you need to click here. Like, what? So is that just a contact us button? Yes, it is. It just sends you to the contact page. Like, well, then why isn't it a contact button? Like, the update button is still showing on my registration form. Like, right, okay. So that's not a question. Why is it in the FAQ section? And then some of them are like, how do I register? When do I need to register? And then I've used an agent for my visa application, but I don't know my own account details. There is not a chance that one little FAQ in a thing is going to be able to explain that. It will be contact us, speak to one of our agents, speak to one of our team. It doesn't actually give you any answers. All the answers are just go and speak to our team, go and speak to our team. Not helpful at all. 
So it kind of makes um, me think that the French translation nailed it because in French, we tried to keep the FAQ and we translated it as foire aux, que aux questions. But foire is usually used when it's like a fair, but it's also a word that you use to say it's a giant mess, you know, it's la foire. It's like kind <laughs> of a, I was like, yeah, <laughs> actually. <laughs> that's why it's always questions from now on. in French. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, that word is fantastic because it's kind of like you go there and you could have something awesome or see a spectacle or you could see a spectacle that will haunt you forever. So oh, it's one of those things where you clowns. never know. And <laughs> yes, that also can happen in a foire. <laughs> so just, just so you know, be careful Halloween. of the French festivals. Yep. Mm -hmm. But Festival I, of well, questions. Even better, oh, oh. festival of random questions no one asked about. The FOQ, the festival of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. I think that's the title of the episode. <laughs> it's like, it, you, it, kind of. I, I, I do have a few questions for you because I did find another FAQ that is, I think, I think this is not a coding issue. <clears throat> I don't think this is a user issue. I think this is a choice where... There is a list of about, what, 10, 15 questions, and every single question opens a new URL. And the question is about two or three sentences long. So this could be in an accordion, but no, they decided that each question must have its own page, even though it's two sentences. So let me start with the first one. And I just want to see if you're able to um, give us, you know, an honest answer and compete with this FAQ. So... Um, is hell other people? <laughs> hell is other people, but I know, that's I know that's a, smart. I know that's a reference to something. So, that, yes, th th this whole so, site is ah. built around weird, like purposeful, purposely obscure references to stuff. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You are absolutely wrong here. <laughs> this is not obscure. It is French. So, yeah, Jean Paul ob Sartre. Ob obscure. Yeah, yeah. French. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. You are wrong again because <laughs> not only is it a French quote, but they provide the answer. So they say, Georges, oh my goodness, they, tran they, they translated his name. So it's not Jean Paul anymore, but John Paul. Yeah, John, John Paul Sartre. That's what we call him in English. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, Seriously. exactly. How but for those of you who don't know, you? I'm the only one who doesn't speak French here, so. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody knows after this. Don't oh, really? Worry. Yeah, yeah. I did have, what gave it away? So, so, not only did they tell you where it's from, they answer that, yes, hell is other people, but they also tell you that it is a page from their existential coloring book and they are pitching their product. So I thought that was a really clever way to have the, hypothetically, the most useless but most entertaining FAQ in the world. So these people should be answering some very important questions, but instead, what they will answer is, am I a crazy cat lady? Is hell other people? Uh, oh, there's even a quiz for the cat lady. But there's also, um, how can I hear the yodeling pickle yodel? So I will hazard to say that this sounds more like a pre-sale FAQ than a post-sale FAQ. They're not expecting you to be disappointed in the wares they ship you. Yeah, you can buy a $12 yodeling pickle. Like, what's not to like? Well, it glows in the dark. That's something oh, they don't... Oh, there you go. That's worth every, every penny right there. Amazing. 
It's value for money. So I, I think this is interesting because it, it shows you that if you genuinely need help from this company, that's going to be, you're in for a rough time. <laughs> but at, like, let's be honest. So if it goes well, then it's going to be weird. If it goes badly, it's still going to be weird. Do I think it's useful for a portion of the population? Yes. Do I think they genuinely try to get into the spirit of an FAQ? About as much as Cards Against Humanity aim <laughs> to be a card game. That's cards, technically. Yeah. yeah. That's an That's FAQ, it. technically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th I so, think I, I, I kind of love this idea just because of the chaos of it all, and it's so on brand. I think because we get so much stuff on social media with like this unhinged content we see so much in in social media, like you see airplane companies and stuff doing mad crazy stuff. But this is kind of on brand for this company, so like it, it kind of works for me. If anything, it's kind of endearing me, but. I'm also not a customer who has a problem at the moment, so maybe I would feel very differently about it if I was coming and actually looking for a solution to my problem. I, I, I will say this, though. It, the company is famous for all of their rubber chicken apparel and products. I'm surprised there is not a dedicated rubber chicken FAQ. So it's one of those things where I feel like it's complicated to design and even think about from an SEO standpoint, because as Stephanie said, hey, what if I'm on the other side? Like, what if I'm a seller instead of a buyer? And what happens if there's different categories? So the before, the during, and the after. How do you structure your FAQ here? What's going on? And as soon as it gets too huge, we end up with governmental messes, like the ones we discussed. So there's clearly not a one-size-fits-all. So what happens? We bring in the chatbot. <laughs> Summon the robots. That's, that's, that's how we do it. Yeah. It's like, but let, let's say it's like most chatbots do says they are glorified FAQs. And it's like, I never had an interaction with a chatbot where at the end I didn't ask to talk to a human being or give up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I'm trying, like, I don't like to talk to human beings. So I'm more than happy if the chatbot was able to solve my problems. Like, so either I have very specific niche problems, which might be because I live in Luxembourg and it's very hard for people to understand that you might have different bank accounts that are not Luxembourgish and that are your phone number might not be a Luxembourgish one because, yeah. No, it is, but it used to be a French one, which is a giant mess on its own. But like, yeah, I don't know if how do the chat box are kind of like designed. Like, I, I you know I've I've played around with some of the tools, but you're trying to map stuff. But I, I don't know if it's like they're shitty by default. If it's just like a giant lack of user research to understand what people actually search for. And it's the same for FAQ. You know, like I wonder if it's really frequently asked. As questions, aka, we go to the support, we ask them what do people ask all the time, and we put it in the FAQ. Or is it like content marketing people who re, um, kind of write something? It's like, oh, we think our user might wonder about that and that. And we hope this will answer all the questions. So that's the main thing. It's like, it, how do we build those <laughs> how to, so to avoid domain? It, it's it's one of the things where it comes into the SEO space because yes, we are able to have data about 
the specific questions that people ask. But at the end of the day, yes, the FAQ is either controlled by sales or by marketing. And our end game is to make sure that, ooh, that's the problem. We never agree on the end game. So I know, for example, that any official visa immigration type of thing, they're trying to reduce the amount of people who call in. That's what they're trying to do. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to help you not call. So that's that's important to keep in mind. Then you have companies that will make choices going, hey, 80% of the people who are going to complain are probably going to be on the customer end and not the seller end. So let's focus on them. And then the rest never comes. Then you have some people that love, live, breathe, for a knowledge base. So then the FAQ is kind of like a weird thing that stands on its own because the people who really care about the product migrated to the knowledge base, basically. So it's it, you can't ever, ever, ever win. And I think this is one of the problems that we have is that, hey, how do I use the FAQ? And I know, Jack, you brought in an example that I need to know more about. Like I, you did not explain why it was there. You didn't have to, but now I want to know the story because tell me about the urban FAQ in the wild. Yeah, I think this is the perfect example, exactly what you were just saying, Steph, about whether you're actually answering people's questions or not. And I think it's something a lot of SEOs and a lot of us who work in the digital space, even outside of SEO, you know, you're working in UX, Steph, like thinking about our clients and the actual questions their customers are asking, right? And actually sitting down with the sales team who then can talk to the customers and get the actual questions that real human beings are actually asking. Or do you go down the, again, the manipulative, dodgy SEO route of just like, oh, just picking a bunch of questions you think you can rank for and then chucking them on the website. You need to actually answer real life people's questions because otherwise what's the point in just ranking for things for the for the sake of it, essentially. And this is a perfect example from Urban U and looking at their FAQ, it's like, is this actually a frequently asked question or are you just trying to like make yourself sound really cool and fun as a brand? Because the last question on this FAQ is, I love Urban U. How can I tell my friends? Said literally no one ever. So that is not a frequently asked question. That is you saying, here's our referral scheme. Here's our little thing. Here's how to, you know, try and get people to be loyal to our brand and stuff. To me... It comes off as really try hard and kind of sickly and gross and you're not actually answering real customers' questions. It's mostly just like masturbatory stuff about the brand and them just being like, so how does this thing work? How does your money back guarantee work? How brilliant is this brand? How how come you guys are so great? It's like, come <laughs> on, let's be realistic with this kind of thing. I've been on the other side. I've had to try and explain that some questions should be in there and the company really doesn't want them to be in there. I don't want them to be in there. I'm pretty sure that the people who ask these questions shouldn't even be in charge of buying the product, but they do. So let me explain. <laughs> yes. What's the product? <laughs> the bathtub. Okay. Oh, here we yes. go. Things Here's can go wrong story. with a bathtub. <laughs> it, there's actually two bathtub stories and questions. So the first one did get picked for the FAQ after a little explanation. The second one, I told them not to include it. I, I forbade them. So the first question was, hey, when my bath... I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because the question was structured in a way that was so weird that I had to dig into it and understand what was behind the question. So when there's like a question behind the question, you know, it's already going to be bad. So why is my bathtub see-through when people install it and shine a light underneath it? 
So here's the real question. Hey, I know nothing about bathtubs, but the fact that I don't understand how fiberglass works, meaning that I can see through the thing when it's being installed, means that I think my bathtub is cheap and that I made a bad investment. So that's what we had to handle. That's why that question, instead of being snarky and saying, well, since the Roman times, the bathtub has evolved and we now have fiberglass, um, (laughs) we really had to handle it. The next one was, which bathtub is the best bathtub to make gin in? Okay, I need to know. I have no idea how to make gin. So I have many questions. And I know bathtub booze is a thing, like moonshine and stuff is yes. made in the bathtub, right? Yes. But gin specifically? And like again, is that is that really a question your target audience are gonna be asking? What what in the hipster hell is this? Because yes, <laughs> moonshine I know. But gin? Gin, clearly, you're just trying to do something you're not supposed to, because A, not only could you go blind or have huge problems by doing this, but B. Um, I'm sorry to state the obvious. Um, okay, mushrooms are legal in some parts of Canada. Marijuana is legal in everywhere in Canada. But making booze at home is not. <laughs> it's never going to be. We're not going to go against the law just to pander to people. So I'm just looking this up. Apparently bathtub gin is a phrase that was used in the 20s because of the tall bottles that were used for gin. That would not fit in the sink when you had to top it off with water and stuff. You had to fill it in your bathtub, so people will refer to it as bathtub gin. Okay, oh so my goodness, this is putting the gin in the bathtub. Some weird, like pulling yeah. Yeah. down. No, 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 no. Now we're getting off topic, but I will have to say that this website <laughs> had other problems. All of their bathtubs were named after women. So you had the Maryland bathtub, you have the Eve bathtub, and I kept seeing these queries for like. Maryland TS bathtub. Lady's name, TS. Yeah, I figured out what it meant. Um, and these people were looking for thirsty, thirsty um, content on Instagram from models with that name. So it's uh, OnlyFans drinking the bathwater thing all over again. The... No, Not but quite that much. That... <laughs> that in vibe. That it's in that vibe, right? <laughs> yes. So I will say that we fixed quite a few issues, but I can certify that the people asking that gin question were not appreciative of the 1920s okay they were genuinely trying to make some gin in the bathtub so i don't have the answer to that and we should not have the answer to that but that's why faqs are tricky right like if you do it well enough and there's enough questions it's literally a knowledge base if you don't do it well enough that's literally a call center so the faq is that strange in between I think you're also trying to anticipate some questions. Like um, on my e-commerce site, I I put some stuff that I was like, yeah, people will ask about it or we might wonder like what payment method do you support, stuff like that. But I don't think it needs to be an FAQ, you know, it could have like a page that would say payment and stuff. So this is why I'm... <laughs> I feel a little bit shamed by that screenshot saying I think you are a good indicator that there may be an issue with your content. But at the same time, like, yeah, I was honestly very lazy with my e-commerce website. I just like threw a bunch of stuff to, to, together. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if uh, there's also kind of this idea where you try to anticipate what people might look for so that they don't need to contact you. 
Yes. But here again, if you want to anticipate that, you can actually do it if you go through your customer support main questions, things like that. So I think it would be a very nice idea to actually talk to your customer support. As like, this is what I'm doing now is like, I'm adding stuff in the FAQ, which is stuff people actually ask me by email, things like that. So no, I'm my own customer support team. <laughs> but like, yeah, that, that, that's the idea so at some point. Uh... And there, there's this other loop that also deserves a fresh place in hell. When you actually do get to a human after waiting for quite a while on the phone. And then they tell you, but go onto the website and type this in the search bar in the FAQ section, which has happened to me. I see you side-eyeing this, Stephanie, but no, this is the truth. This also happens. So just so we're clear, hell is other people, but sometimes hell is other people served via FAQ page. Like it, yeah, it's a lot of humanity. Here, my question is like, was the query they ask you to type in the search very different from what you were searching for? And then they clearly have a problem between what is in the FAQ versus the user mental model, which should match because it's like, if the stuff you're looking for is actually in the FAQ, but you as a user or a customer cannot find it because you don't know how to ask for it, then for me, it's a, I don't know, SEO content, UX writing issue, all three of them maybe. So we promised some screams. Yes, yes, it was. I did it better. I told them how to improve the keyword, okay? Was it a problem with the, the parquet, you, ton, parquet ton char and stuff like that? Like Canadian French versus uh, French French char. Oh, that, that can also happen in bilingual, trilingual countries where you know how to ask for the thing, but in the wrong language or in the right language, but you don't have the right jargon it's 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 a nightmare as well but ultimately i see that most of us remember the bad faqs like the ones that do not help so do you do we have a tendency as humans to only remember the bad stuff that doesn't help us when we need it to okay so if you do your job well your faq you shouldn't even think about it afterwards so yeah that's, that's a problem thing. It's always a thing I think of and compare it to, like I come from the comic book industry, I worked in that for a few years, and lettering, which is adding the little speech bubbles and the text and stuff to the pages, you don't notice good at lettering because it's just there and you can read it and it's clear. You notice bad lettering because if it's bad to and you can't read it, suddenly, you know, you're suddenly aware of it. Same thing is often true for like editing and movies and stuff like that. You don't notice good editing unless until you see bad editing and you're like oh god oh god no there's 15 cuts in four seconds in that shot why is there so many cuts and you're suddenly like dragged out of the the immersion and, then re and back into reality like oh god now i realize this is a thing that's happening and i think obviously the three of us work in digital marketing we work in a digital space we're, we're we see websites in a certain way because of, we work on websites every single day, right? And we're kind of aware of this kind of stuff. And it's something I've been talking about a lot on the show recently is like, how do people who are not professionally aware of websites and not like, I don't know if you guys can are able to turn off your brain when you go onto a new website. As soon as I'm on a new website, even if just in my, you know, evening browsing or whatever, I'm like, okay, what have they done? What are their page titles? Have they done this? What's this? And I like can't switch myself off from doing it. And I wonder how many people like just don't even encounter FAQs a lot of the time. So many people I know just go like, I'm just going to email them. And then my wife is like, fuck it, I'm going to email them. I don't care. Or I'm just going to call them. She just gets frustrated with trying to use various bits of websites and 
if you can't navigate it properly, she will just go straight to the source because my wife is ready to go full Karen if she needs to. And and this is why chatbots are coming in now because they're like, okay, you know what? If you want a Karen, just carry another chatbot. <laughs> Humans don't is, want to deal with the Karens. <laughs> yes, yes. And I remember a few years ago when they introduced um, not chatbots, but chats in an e-commerce website. I was super excited about the... Um, the experience, the problem was a mismatch though. Like I got the answer I wanted. It was really fast. It was really like I could trust the information. I got what I wanted, but I kept telling the bot, like, you're really good for a bot. And I would like if possible to have like the shoe size and the color. Can you tell me if I can ship this to Canada? And the bot was answering super politely and super well and super timely. But the bot kept telling me that like, I'm a human being. And I was like, that's what a bot would say. So we continue the entire <laughs> interaction as if this person was a bot. And now that I'm facing real bots, I'm like, bring me back the human bot from years ago. I need that in my life. So I, I don't know where, where we're going to go with this because it, it, there's another problem. Some of these chat bots record, obviously, what you asked and the answers, but some of them make it... <clears throat> public in search results so yes okay stephanie i will let jack explain that one to you that sounds it, bad yeah it was a bunch of google bard stuff that was uh was it it was bard wasn't it miriam that that it became publicly searchable information essentially we 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 yeah they didn't realize it was being indexed and yeah if you, if you share it essentially you are in the same way you know you can sometimes search for like google sheets and google docs if somebody shares it publicly mm -hmm. you can make it searchable turns out bard chats were doing the same thing and not telling people because if you share it you make it publicly available and that means it's indexable and people were finding Oops. other people's bard chats <laughs> <laughs> so that that that's the other question should you make the questions that people ask available to others if you have that technology. Because I know <clears throat> we we used to share that in search bars with the autocomplete. Some systems used to show some of the most um, common queries. And you would very often have the same question, but one asked with a typo and the other one without a typo. So once again, there's so many questions about how we search for information. And I think that FAQs are pretty much the content equivalent of a hamburger menu. What's your opinion? For me, it's kind of, I, I like the idea of, you know, in an e-commerce when you have like this, other people also search for this. So I think it could be interesting to record because then again, you kind of build your knowledge base with actual user data. So. I think it could be interesting to say, okay, but don't make it public. Like basically use it just to improve. <laughs> I was going thing. to say that don't make it public because if I come in and see that the most commonly asked questions, let's say this month are, how do I get a refund on this product that is mm. defective? Mm, bad for marketing. Marketing will jump down your throat. It's not going to happen. That's the thing. For me, you need to cherry pick. Like, I think it's interesting to have a feature at some point like, oh, by the way, if you didn't find your answers, maybe you could like try this query or this query because this could, again, solve your problem of maybe I don't have the right language to ask this chatbot or this, um, this search box at the top of the FAQ. 
But don't just like throw in, I don't know, elastic surge or something in there and let it do its thing. I would say double check. And if you can have a tool that would let you like cherry pick the ones, make sure, as you said, like if the, <laughs> the most common question might be weird. Also, if you think about someone who wants to be shady, like it's Halloween. Um, let's talk about abusing website. If you know that a chatbot on a competitor, let's say, is going to throw um, every single answer that uh, or every single question that were kind of asked before. You could kind of imagine sort of a DDoS where you send a couple of little bots asking very horrible questions, and then whenever people would open the chatbot, it would see those horrible questions. So <laughs> I would say always think about how might a competitor, like a shady one, want to abuse that. It's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And it's like, yeah, I could see a lot of very weird things. I don't remember what they did. Like at, at some point, they did something with uh, Sarkozy on Google. Like they Google bombed him. And when you were looking for Sarkozy, French president, something very funny came up. I think you could do the same with those chatbots if they're like showing the other questions. Like, mm hmm could be very funny. <laughs> Okay, so something that people don't know, the reason why Stefania and I are friends is because she suffered an attack way back in the day, okay, way back in the day of negative SEO. And what she's describing right now sounds like a negative chatbot situation. Like these things could genuinely happen. So I think I think it's very interesting right now because we're coming full circle going, hey, that's a human problem that we're trying to solve maybe with technology and humans are going to mess it up again. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for error there, right? And I think you have to, you're totally right, Steph, talking about cherry picking stuff because just presenting absolutely everything or like warts and all for your brand is often not the best idea to present the the best like first impression for you and your products and stuff. An old client of mine had, is insert name of brand here, legit as an FAQ. And this FAQ is copied onto every single product page across the site because it's a common question people were asking. And I was like, do you, do you need to dignify that with a response? The fact that you're answering that <laughs> almost makes you look less legit than just ignoring it and just actually yeah. doing good work and selling products. And it's this kind of thing of like, well, if we don't answer the question, how will people know? It's like, what, should you even dignify that question with an answer in the first place? It kind of makes your brand look a bit weird and quirky. So originally, when, when you started talking about this, I was excited going, oh my goodness, this is marketing gone wild. But the truth is, I have opinions about this. Number one, they actually should dignify it at some point in the about page to say, hey, we are legit. We're tired of this. Like send a signal, but don't necessarily over justify yourself because that looks suspicious. And the other thing is um, something that neither of you know, there are some groups of French SEOs that love manipulating, bombing the autocomplete. So whatever suggestion you're going to have, like from auto-suggesting Google, they really do work hard to manipulate this. And it works for a little bit, by the way, like they do have success. So that ties into the same question that Stephanie asked. What if it was a competitor affording these types of services and having fun with it? And if it's not, do you genuinely think the answer will be found in the FAQ page or should you do some branding efforts here? Because, whoa. The FAQ is not going to handle that Im brand image problem. Yeah. That's my main question. It's like at some point, if you have 100 questions in the FAQ, shouldn't some of them actually be turned into content or something? It's like, I don't know. I'm asking SEO Or knowledge-based. 
Yeah, if you're good. like, hey, this should be a tutorial, like at what point does a very good FAQ get so big that it gets promoted to knowledge base? Like, how do you know? Yeah, exactly. I think like we said at the very start of the show, right, you get these clients or these websites that have a hundred questions in just one FAQ page or a kind of like kind of what my client was trying to do, I think, was have product specific FAQs and, and service specific stuff. So if you're on this particular department of this store, then you can find the FAQ for all this specific products and services in this department. But what you're totally right, Miriam, what they did wrong was copy a generic FAQ across every single product page. So like thousands of pages had the exact same information of, are you legit? Is your shipping free? How did delivery work? And that was just <laughs> the information repeated 10,000 times across the site. Having it in one place, and I think a knowledge base is a really good way of doing it, having a single source of information for absolutely everything, I think can work really well. As long as you're able to, again, as we were talking about earlier on, able to segment it and actually make it navigatable and work and stuff like that. Because it's all well and good, like the example we gave about the Esther Visa stuff earlier, having a thousand different answers, but if you can't actually work out which one is related to which as soon as you start searching you're not answering the question because people can't find the answer so i think yeah we get into this question a lot with seo right of like when does it justify having its own page should you answer like five que five questions on this topic in a single article or in a single post or should you do each one of those justifies its own article and i think you kind of have to use a bit of common sense as stupid as that sounds in seo like <laughs> trying to balance it out with some of the data compare the SERPs from an SEO point of view, actually look at what is the, are, are like pages that answer multiple questions, are they ranking for multiple of those questions you're looking to answer? Are your competitors doing it all in one page or are they doing it in a different way? And do you think you could do it better? That was a really, really nice recap. I don't think I have anything else to add. <clears throat> oh my, my voice is going, but um, <laughs> I, I may have one last thing to add. I don't think people necessarily know that um, the online store Stephanie was referring to is she makes stickers and she made the uh, neurodivergence in SEO stickers, actually. So these stickers became very um, appreciated throughout the tech industry at large. And thus the store was born and thus <laughs> the frustration was born which led to the faq so we're seeing a new batch the halloween version the kitty cats. i think i i i think to to oh no i don't like that word we're not circling back so to pleasantly arrive back at that topic um the way you built your faq actually makes sense you're answering user needs when they need it it's not a question of okay, my brand should own that SERP or we need to get on that question because a competitor is doing it in our stead. It was genuinely trying to help humans. And I think we tend to lose sight of that once we're getting into the nitty gritty of checking out all the questions and figuring out which one is the most important from an SEO standpoint instead of a, hey, does that help humans and does that help other departments as well? Yep. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> We're all agreeing. <laughs> Yay. 
that yeah we all scream in front of our screens by ourselves except your lovely wife was like hey i'm gonna save myself some time let me talk to a human <laughs> pretty much pretty much if there's anything i've learned from being married to emma for nearly two years is i let her deal with the customer service people because she's way scarier than i am <laughs> wow I'm I'm way this too nice. My... She's she's definitely scarier than me, and she can handle people way better than I can. By the time you get to a human, you are in scary territory, though. So I think that at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want with that FAQ. Just make sure that you reduce the amount of angry humans calling you. The last thing any of us want is angry humans calling us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the true, the, no the greatest nightmare me, so. in, in 2023. That's cool. True. I didn't put my so, my phone number in there. I don't want people to a, call. A wise choice, Steph. A wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the thing is, my phone is always on mute, so it might be faster to actually email me <laughs> and to call me. <laughs> That's the thing. But if people do want to go and buy stickers from you, Steph, they want to follow you around on social media, how can they do that? I will put links for everything, of course, in the show notes, but Tell us a little bit about your shop and where can people find your UX and templates and courses and all this kind of stuff. So it's stephaniewalter.design and the shop is like shop.stephaniewalter.design because I'm a very imaginative person. <laughs> uh, yeah, the stickers, they're not in the shop. They're on a giant page because I'm too lazy to put them in the shop, but I will eventually. It's just that, yeah... I need to decide if I do another shop for the stickers. I need to ask Miriam about that. <laughs> From an SEO I, perspective, if it makes sense to mix UX templates and Halloween kitty cat with skeleton. So the, the problem <laughs> with successful friends is that they, whenever they have a hobby, they are successful with the hobby as well. Like, I'm a terrible gardener. I'm a horrifying painter. Like, I love my hobbies, but they're never going to be monetizable. And Stephanie, it's the Midas touch. So every time I'm like, well, let's talk about that subdomain or let's figure out how we can optimize things. <laughs> so next round coming up. But yep. yes. Um, and you can go and, and get a I, talk to your users sticker from the store, yeah. which is so relevant to the FAQ and the whole topic, right? <laughs> like, I need and a second one that says, listen to your user, because like, <laughs> some people are okay talking to them, but they, they don't care about the data. They're like, yeah, we did some user research, but we're still going to go in the opposite direction. It's like, uh-huh. So we need a second sticker. <laughs> to go with the Sell it as a two-pack so people can get. Both yeah. talk, talk to and listen to. <laughs> well, Miriam, if we want to talk to you or listen to you, where can people find you across the internet? Oh, I, I used to answer that question really succinctly, but um, I've had to leave Twitter, so you can find me on LinkedIn. And you just look for my name, Miriam Gessier. Another thing that I do is a regular podcast with uh, Olga from SEO Sly called SEO Cashflow. If you're a freelancer or want to build your own agency, this may help you out. And otherwise, well, you could see me pop up in random places online because I write a few articles. Dun, dun, dun. You never know where my ebook is going to pop up next. I, I literally had this happen to me in a candor internal meeting earlier this week. A colleague of mine was like, oh, we need to think about BigQuery. Here's this article. Miriam Jessie at the top. I was like, ah, I knew it. <laughs> you appear 
even when when unexpected like a like a halloween I, ghost woo. i i will i will haunt you and i am pale enough for this <laughs> i i think all three of us can pull it off definitely definitely well folks that has been our halloween special for this year hopefully you've actually learned some tips and best practices for faqs as well as some terrible examples like i said links for everything will be in the show notes so the bad faqs the good faqs stephanie's website miriam's website and everything in between go to search.withcanda.co.uk and you get links for absolutely everything if you have terrible examples or great examples of faqs please share them we need this in our lives please do let us know on linkedin twitter all the usual places and we will uh sharing them around because i think we can all agree that bad faqs are a lot of fun to discuss <laughs> well thank you both for joining me again we'll be back next year hopefully with our third annual halloween special it's an absolute pleasure always to chat with you both same see you next year folks with more horror stories Whoa. Yeah. bye <laughs> That is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Steph and Miriam for joining me once again. They'll be back again next year. Don't you worry. I hope you learned a lot as well. Some good examples of FAQs, especially learning a lot of UX stuff from Steph, who is very, very kindly coming on the SEO podcast and talking all about UX as well, which is a brilliant perspective to have on the show that I think I didn't appreciate as much until we finally got into the conversation. It was really, really great to be able to uh, get into Miriam's knowledge and her experience in SEO development and UX and Stephanie's incredible knowledge as a designer and UX uh, expert as well. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week. That will be the monthly recap with Mark and I, the Systrix with Candor episode, which you can also watch on YouTube on Systrix's YouTube channel. I'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. In the meantime, I've got some fantastic episodes coming up over the next few weeks as well. I've got Lydia Infante, that's right, the Lydia Infante you may know from Brighton SEO and MozCon and various other places. I've got Morgan Petrov coming up as well, as well as some of the talks from Search Norwich coming up very, very soon, over the next month or so, before we round out the year with episode 100 of season two. I can't believe we're nearly there at episode 100. If you've stuck with us since Mark was hosting way back when, over the last three years in season one, or you've joined us in season two, or if this is your first episode, I hugely appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. And please do share it around, review us, and all that good stuff that helps spread the word of Search with Canada across the internet. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Until then, have a lovely week. (laughs) 